I'm super excited to tell you a story today, and it's a good news story. It's a great story, and I found it in Scripture when I was studying in the book of Acts this summer, and I was reading, and I was coming along this passage, and I was reading it, and I'm just reading, trying to see it with fresh eyes, and I get to this one major part of the passage. I'm in at Caribou. I'm by myself. I'm sitting there. I'd already raised my hand. I was in, in class, and I was watching, like I was in an online class, and I'm watching, and the professor's like, how many of you, blah, 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 and I'm like way in, and I'm like, gosh, I'm raising my hand in this online class, and he didn't call on me, which was fine, because he, and he kept going on and on, but I get to the end of this one passage as I'm reading, and I get to this part, and I stop, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, yes, this is awesome, and then I said that out loud, and then I looked around, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I already have my big Bible, I have like this huge Bible that sits out there, and so I either have people like going way around my table or coming right to it, you know, can I talk to you about something, and so I already felt like I was sticking out, but then when I screamed, Thank you, Jesus. I think right then it was something that um, even made a greater distance. I want to tell you before I get to that story, though, about a really weird experience I had when my husband and I were going to upgrade our cable system. We were going to get, right? You're like, this is not even going to relate. Um, I was going to hook up a new DVR to a second TV we have. And I know this is like a first world situation. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, wow, she had a problem and she needed it solved. But I was going to hook up a new DVR box to a second TV. And I had the weirdest interaction with a cable guy who came over to hook it up for us. He walked in, and he's like, well, you know, I'm going to have to check first to see if this thing can connect, because not every DVR box can be substituted out for any other DVR box. I'm like, no problem. Yeah, that's totally fine. I don't know. I just called. So he goes over, and he goes, yep, it's just as I thought. I'm like, oh, it can be done. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Awesome. Oh, that's great. He goes, yeah, so I'm going to go down and check. Because I just do need to tell you that before you used to be able to record two shows here and then watch them downstairs, right? I'm like, yeah. And I said, we love recording games. That's what we do. We record the games and we watch each other. He goes, yeah, well, now you're going to be able to record four. And I was like, oh, so that's more. So that's, that's good news, right? Yep. And he walked away and he started hooking up. And then he does, and he comes upstairs, and I wrote these down. I wrote them down because I'm like, I cannot forget this. So as soon as he walked out, I'm like writing it down. So he, he comes up, and he goes, yeah, did corporate tell you, though, about the price change? I'm like, no. Oh, shoot. You know, did I not ask? He goes, yeah, you're going to end up paying $10 less, you know. <laughs> Serious. I'm like, also really awesome. <laughs> and I, I felt like I was like in just like this warp. It's just this really weird zone, and, and it almost was funny enough that it's like I wanted to see, is there a camera, you know, and I better respond kindly and graciously and godlike, you know, in case there is. Not that I would if there wasn't, you know, I wouldn't, you know. <laughs> what? You know, so, but then he's about to leave, and he goes, yeah, before I leave, though, I do have to warn you about the remote. And I'm like, oh, wait, holy cow, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I have to warn you about that remote. The second you touch it, <laughs> this is so scary. The second you touch it, it lights up so you can see it in the dark. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks for the warning. <laughs> like, it is a good thing you were here. Oh my gosh. He, he looks at me, he goes, I know. <laughs> like, he goes, also, can I encourage you to dial this number, 1-800, and tell about the service that you had today? I'm like, well, normally I would, so I will. No, and he walked away. And I sat there, and I thought, you know, this is kind of a weird situation. He's telling me great news, 
but he's saying it in such a way that I can't even identify it as good news. And then I thought, that's what I do with the gospel. Ah, that's what I do. I have this great news, but sometimes I, and maybe you, tell it in a way where somebody can't identify it as good news. Maybe it's in the way that I'm living. You know, I'm freaked out. I'm stressed out. Everything is awful. This is awful. Oh, man, everything's so horrible. And I'm wondering why nobody's asking me, oh, tell me the reason for the hope you have, Nathaniel. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe no one's asked me about it. Or maybe I talk to somebody, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sharing maybe some good news with them, but I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to step on your toes. You know, I don't want to sound, you know, like too preachy. You know, and we get done, and we're not letting them know it's good news. When it's good news, we just are like out there with it, aren't we? I'm in two fantasy football leagues, and this past Sunday, didn't see that coming, did ya? <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Okay, I'm in two fantasy football leagues, and this past Sunday, in each of my leagues, I not only won my matchup, but I was top scorer in the whole, both of the leagues. One of the leagues is a bunch of, right? Come on, clap for me! No, <laughs> I'm going to turn hostile. I'm just so kidding. But I have to tell you, in one of the leagues, it's like a bunch of family, and the other one is nine men from the church, and they needed a tenth person, and I'm like, I'm in. And so I was like super glad that I, I'm like watching the Monday night's game. I'm like, come on, come on. I heard myself once cheering for an injury, and then I stopped. <laughs> I'm like, come on, if just something happens. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is terrible. But you know what I have to tell you? I've shared with so many people that are in fantasy football that I was like top scorer in both my leagues. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting really pretty good. I mean, this is a blah, 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 blah. And then I pull in and I'm talking to my neighbor. And all of a sudden, it, I was thinking about this. I'm thinking about how I've, I've been talking about fantasy football like crazy. And then I'm sitting here thinking, looking at my neighbor going, I don't really know if she even knows the Lord. So I start talking about the word. I said, yeah, you know, I was, this past weekend I was out speaking. She goes, what do you speak about? I'm like, oh, about the Bible. I'm like, would you ever be interested in coming to a Bible study? She goes, yeah, I don't know the Bible really well. I'm like, well, perfect, neither do I, and that's what's great. We can just study it together, and that would be super fun. She's like, oh, yeah, I'd like that. She goes, you know, I was going to go to one, but they said, like, all the children had this thing called hand, foot, and mouth disease. I'm like, oh. And she goes, and our kids have gotten exposed. I'm like, oh, all right then. Well, you know, I mean, I won't be starting the Bible study, you know, soon, but when I do, I will for sure let you know. So... I would like it if that wasn't a true story, but it is. <laughs> I want to turn our attention to the book of Acts, and I want to look at some good news. It starts out, Luke is writing Acts. He wrote Luke and Acts together. We have Acts positioned in a place so right after the Gospels, the letters are going to make sense. So that's why the canon is in this way. But Acts is here, and Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, you know, I'm going to go, but there's going to be a power that's going to come upon you. Wait in Jerusalem until the power comes. And then when you have received this Holy Spirit power, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the earth. And they hear this, and we sometimes take that and go, that's a word to myself. Jerusalem is Roseville. You know, Judea is like Minnesota. You know, Samaria would be like, I don't know, five states? I don't know. Um, and then the uttermost parts of the world is anywhere I have to get to on a plane. You know, and we put like ourselves in the center of the story. But Jesus is just saying, this is what's going to happen. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And we see that take place. Because we look at Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit come upon these people. There's 120 that are gathered together in prayer. They kept gathering together, and they're consistent, and they're waiting. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then Peter begins to preach in Acts 2, and about 3,000 people come to know the Lord. And then he preaches again, 
and the, and the number is getting to be about 5,000. And what did Jesus say? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And they are killing it in Jerusalem. I mean, they really are. There's like 5,000 people in such a short period of time. That is newsworthy. That is something to take note of and something to see, hey, the Holy Spirit is connected to that sort of a movement. The Holy Spirit is getting involved. And this Holy Spirit was sent by God and Jesus as they're there, and they send it upon the people, and there's this power. And so we see this power spreading throughout Jerusalem. And then Acts 7 comes up, and we see the stoning of Stephen, which we look at and we go, this is horrible, this is sad. We see the first martyr, someone dying for their faith. But what happens afterwards? Afterwards, because of this, there's a great persecution that breaks out, and the people are scattered. They preach the word wherever they went, and Philip goes down to an area called Samaria, and we see the gospel begin to spread more. They go around, and one of the phrases that I've heard before and I love, and maybe you've heard it as well, they go around gossiping the gospel. Isn't that awesome? Do you love that? I didn't make it up. I wished I had. If you never have heard about it before, I did make it up. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. But they go around there gossiping the gospel, Judea and Samaria, and this good news, what is this gospel? This good news about Jesus. He's come. He's come, and they start sharing this gospel. And Philip the evangelist, they call him, just to differentiate him from others, it's not his given name, that's like what they call him later, in retrospect, you know. But he's an evangelist. He goes down, he goes to a city in Samaria, he proclaims truth, and many people come with great joy, it says, to a knowledge of the gospel. And then something happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and that's where I want us to turn our attention now. We're going to take a look at this story and see what's going on. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What do we see? We see the angel of the Lord telling Philip to go. He goes south to the road, the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. He goes there. The Spirit leads him because the Spirit has a plan, and he's using Philip in this plan. And what does Philip see? What do we see that's on this road, this desert road, which is going to be key later, so remember it's a desert road. It's from Jerusalem down to Gaza. He meets an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, what do we know about this man? We know he's Ethiopian, right? It says that. And we know he's a eunuch, and a eunuch is a castrated male. And the reason why he was made to be a eunuch is because he's serving for the queen in Candace, and they don't want to risk any sort of um, problem with Candace having, being pregnant and having the heir thing all screwed up. And so he's a eunuch, and because he is, he gets to rise in ranks. And so he's an important official. We see that about him. We know that he's wealthy because he's on a chariot. We know he's educated because he can read. So we know a lot of these things. We also know that he's coming from Jerusalem where he was doing what? Worshiping God. So he's worshiping God, so he's likely a God-fearer, aware of this one true God, and he's worshiping God. But for some reason, when Luke writes this story, every other verse, he calls him the eunuch. Not the Ethiopian, not the wealthy guy, not the guy who brings scrolls for his vacation reading, not anything but the eunuch. And there's a reason for that, and that's because it's repeated again and again. We need to take note and say, what's the point of this? Why would that be the way that he continues to be identified over and over and over again? 
the first readers of this, they would recognize it. They would go, oh, he was worshiping in Jerusalem, but he was left way out in the outer side, the outer courts. He couldn't come near and really worship because Deuteronomy 23 prevents that from happening. Because he's a eunuch, he can't draw near. So he's there worshiping God with where he can and what he can say and what he can do and how he can participate, but he's not really brought in. So he's an outsider. And he's leaving Jerusalem and he's riding in this chariot and he's reading in Isaiah. And then what happens? The spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So clearly, Philip must have been a runner or something. But he goes up to the chariot. He stays near it. He runs up to it. And he hears the man is reading from Isaiah the prophet. So the guy's reading out loud, the Ethiopian. He's reading out loud. And then he asks him, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asks. And the eunuch replies, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. Hello, this is an amazing thing. He's coming right next to this guy. Do you know what you're reading? Do you understand this? More like this. Do you understand that? Do you understand what you're reading? And he's like, how can I unless somebody tells me? What an invitation. What an amazing invitation. So what happens? Philip climbs up, sits next to him on the chariot. And I don't know if he climbs up like that. He climbs up, <laughs> plops himself down. Hello. <laughs> I'm the guy. I can do this. So what was he reading? The, the eunuch, picture this, what you know now about him. This is what he's reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? You ever read in scripture and you think, this kind of relates to my life situation. Can you see how maybe the eunuch might be drawn into this? And he's reading and he asks Philip, tell me please, who's the prophet talking about? Is it himself or is it somebody else? Then the Philip began with right where he was at from that very passage of scripture. And he shares with him the gospel. He tells him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. It's a desert road, yeah? And they came to some water. When I was a little kid and I heard this story, they don't tell this story a whole lot in Sunday school, and I think it's just because they don't know how to deal with the eunuch situation, like in fourth grade or second grade. <laughs> I remember asking my mom, what's a eunuch? And she's like, it's medical. Ask your dad. He's a doctor. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't think I want to know. But I do remember hearing it as a kid, and I thought the most exciting thing in this whole story was, A, Philip could run so fast he could run next to a chariot. B, I thought what was so exciting was there was water in the desert. And I thought that's why he was like, wow, there's water. This is amazing. This is the miracle. It's cool. It's awesome. Was there always water there? You know, some like, they do have oasis. It's probably an oasis, you idiot. You know, it's not like there's never water in the <laughs> desert. There's cactus. There's animals, you know. It's not that kind of a desert, you know. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of ways we could look at this. And there is water, but that's not the miracle anyway. So stop correcting me in your head. But <laughs> there is a desert, and there is water. But this is what he says. He says, tell me, please, who is he talking about? So he explains Jesus. He explains this good news. And then he sees this water. And here's what I think is also something that's pretty cool. He's reading in Isaiah 53. Likely in that same scroll, there's also Isaiah 56. And likely he would be familiar with it. And Isaiah 56, 3 to 5 says this. 
I'm getting a little choked up, sorry. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I am going to give them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. Do you think the eunuch ever read that verse? Do you think he was waiting for what does this mean? And when is that day? And Philip explains, and all of a sudden, this passage sounds a lot more real. Isaiah 56 sounds a lot more real to him right now than Deuteronomy 23 does. Deuteronomy 23 is in the rearview mirror, and Isaiah 56 is now, and he's heard about Christ. And he understands now about this barrier that's being broken down, where he can go directly to God the Father because Jesus Christ came, and he died, and he rose again victorious to bring all mankind to himself. And the eunuch hears this, and he sees this good news. So what does he say? Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Why can't I be baptized? Why can't I become part of this now? And there's no reason. There's nothing hindering him anymore. He is no longer on the outside looking in. He is in. He is accepted, and he belongs. And this is great news, and my neighbor needs to hear it. People need to hear this great news, and I need to tell it in a way where I'm as excited about how I'm doing in my fantasy football league as I am about the fact that I am saved. And this isn't a, so if you're not happy and you're not sharing good news and a smile, you know, seriously, what's wrong with you people? That's not that. That's a reminder. Let's remind ourselves and preach the gospel to one another and remind ourselves that this good news is good news. And let's rejoice together as a body of believers that we together are saved and we get to tell people about this. And there was nothing hindering him. So what happens? He gives orders, the Ethiopian, to stop the chariot. Then picture this. Picture this in your mind's eye. Both Philip and the eunuch climb down off of the chariot. They go to the water, and Philip baptizes them. When they come out, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. He never sees him again. God the Spirit prompted in Philip this amazing adventure where he meets this man who needed to hear this good news. What a personal God we have. There's 3,000, there's 5,000 people coming to Christ in Jerusalem, but God sees. He sees this man who's been on the outside. He sees this man who's going to worship on the Sabbath. He sees him. He sees him reading a scroll and not understanding truth. And God says, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure that he hears this. And I'm going to send Philip. And Philip's going to go. And then what happens? Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Where is, the, where is this Ethiopian eunuch headed back to? Ethiopia. You know what they used to call Ethiopia, the ancient writers? They used to talk about the uttermost parts of the earth. And I can promise you, as he goes back rejoicing, there's no way he's not explaining what happened to him on the road. And what happens to Philip? Philip continues to go where the Spirit leads him. He, like, teleports, which is so cool because, you know, whenever they ask, if you could have a super uh, power, what would yours be? I always say teleporting. Not like I always wanted to, but I want to be able to teleport. Like, sometimes it's like joy in the journey, but mostly it's like, get out of my way, you drive so slow. <laughs> but, but Philip teleports. He's gone. He's never seen again. And then Philip, however, appears 
at Azotus, and you wonder how long he's standing there before he even knows where he is. Wouldn't that be just, this is real, this is true, and you just wonder, how did Philip feel? Did he have to worry about it? No, because what did he know? The Holy Spirit was leading him to find out what he was going to be doing next. And here's what I think. Not only do we have a good story to tell, not only are there people who need to hear it, the Holy Spirit will direct our paths. As we trust in the Lord with all our heart and don't think that we know what we're going to do, don't rely on ourselves, he's going to direct our paths. And he's going to allow us to walk alongside of somebody where we can look and say, do you understand this? And they might say, how can I without somebody telling me? And then we can share that. We can share this good news that brings great joy, unlike anything else. And then what do we do? We can trust that we'll just go to the next spot to gossip the gospel even more. Let's pray. Jesus, I just think of this eunuch and how he must have felt when he heard that there were no more barriers, that this God that he knew of, that he worshipped, that he read about, became real to him. Lord, I thank you for this great news. Lord, I ask that you would help us, help me to be able to be so excited about it that I can't wait to talk about you, the hope I have in you, the kindness I receive from you. Lord, help my life speak. Help my life to ooze the fruit of the Spirit. Help me to walk with love and joy. Help me to be peaceful. Lord, help me to be patient, kind, good. Help me to be gentle. Help me to be self-controlled. Let my life speak with great joy of what you've done in my life. And let my words speak too. Lord, I pray for my neighbor. I pray that she would come to know you, and I just ask forgiveness that I haven't talked to her about it more. And I just ask for an opportunity. Lord, I ask for an opportunity for each one of us here that maybe as we're volunteering at the marathon, as we're going to work, as we're sitting in classes, wherever we're doing, Lord, help us to speak of you and the good news that we have in Christ. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.